This week's Data Nuts podcast is sponsored in part by Interop ITX, the only independent conference for technology leaders. Get a year's worth of objective IT education in one week. Visit interopitx.com and use promo code PACKETPUSHERS for a 20% discount. The mainstream adoption of x86 virtualization was an exciting time for data center engineers. A heap of old, underutilized servers that choked the life of row after row of data center space were suddenly being replaced by insanely large, I mean, for the time, compute juggernauts with immense amounts of memory and compute power and the ability to run virtual servers that could float around the data center and open up daytime maintenance windows. Whoa. But of course, all of those virtual hosts need something to manage and orchestrate various activities. In the case of VMware's vSphere stack, it's the vCenter server. Largely unchanged in its architecture for over a decade, we're finally seeing some fresh new deployment models. Howdy, I'm Chris Wall. You can follow me at Chris Wall on the Twitters. And with me is my co-host who fills his waterbed with high-quality, ultra-smooth, cask-proof bourbon. He's Ethan Banks at EC Banks on the Twitters. And this is the Data Knots Podcast. You can find this and all of our shows on iTunes, in your favorite podcatcher, or at packetpushers.net. Let's go ahead and start out by introducing our special guest today. He's a senior technical marketing engineer at VMware. I'm sure you heard of them. They virtualize some stuff and do other things. He's Ahmad Yunus. Welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, guys. As Chris stated, I'm a senior technical marketing engineer here at VMware. So I cover the vCenter server appliance and migrations from Windows vCenter servers to the appliance itself. Awesome. My history with the VCSA, the vCenter Server Appliance, was it was originally like kind of a lab thing, a play with toy. You know, it's like, don't put this in production, all that kind of jazz. But I suppose that's changing. So we already know the, the part of the ecosystem that you cover. Do you remember those days? You remember when the appliance is like this little toy kind of thing? That Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was an okay. uh, early adopter of, of the appliance uh, back when it came out. I believe it was around the 5.0 days. And it was this cool, like you stated, experimental, don't use in production, but hey, try it out and give us some feedback. Yeah, put it in a lab, all that kind of jazz. Cool. So that was where we started at. So for those that aren't deeply invested in the VMware world, you know, at a high level, can you explain how you construct and manage a vSphere environment? You know, what are the components necessary to build it out, including the vCenter server? Sure. So... You definitely need a physical host that's going to uh, represent your hypervisor. Definitely one, uh, preferably two. So at some point, you may be able to cluster them. And then you need the management application, which is is vCenter. Once you have vCenter up and running, preferably in a virtual machine, because we're past the days of anybody deploying vCenter in a physical machine. If you are, we really need to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Once you have vCenter up and running... Then you're going to start to add your hypervisors, GSXI. Once you have those, you'll create your data center, you create your cluster. And now you start getting into the, okay, I want to start deploying my, my virtual machines. At a high level, that's basically the thing that most people do at the beginning. There's a couple of different models, right? There's a Windows installation, and then there's an appliance. Is that still the case? Yeah, it's still the case. Uh, we just released vSphere 6.5, and up to today, that's really the case. Again, keep in mind, as we talked about earlier, the appliance was, hey, check out this cool thing, give us some feedback. But the appliance has grown up now. It's not this, check out this cool thing, give us some feedback. It's, hey, it's actually from a scalability perspective, it's equal to its Windows counterpart. 
But in this 6.5 release, it surpasses its Windows counterpart with some features. Whoa, whoa. Well, it surpasses Windows. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. There's no way. How can anything surpass Windows, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> whoa, not... Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Please, please continue with the serious part of the podcast now. Well, Ahmad, I wanted to follow up to... You, you, you were kind of mocking and saying, ah, oh, you know, no one would do vCenter on anything other than as a virtual machine now. But I think from a guy who's not been living in that world of a VMware administration his whole life, I could look at that and go, well... Don't you want something that stands apart from the system it's managing so that if the hypervisor blows up or something, you don't lose your vCenter management? Well, keep in mind, when vCenter goes down, the workloads are still running. You just lost visibility into vCenter. Plus, having vCenter as a physical box, you don't get all the cool benefits of it being a VM, right? Like using vSphere HA in case that physical box goes down, then it will move vCenter to uh, another ESXi host in the cluster. You also have the option of creating a standalone management cluster that you can use to have not only vCenter, but any other management tool that you use within your infrastructure running on that particular management cluster. There's ways around it. So yeah, now it's virtualization is so mature at this point and there's so much redundancy and fault tolerance built into that, that it does make sense to put your vCenter server on there. And in fact, if you don't, you might be creating a, a, you know, a single point of failure for yourself in, in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. That's actually a good question to ask because there were times in the in the past where that wasn't necessarily true and there was some certain caveats, but I agree with Ahmad. At this point, it would be really foolhardy to not virtualize the vCenter component. And definitely when you hit a certain size, it starts to make sense to split out management components from you know the workloads that you're running. I would echo that a little bit. But Ahmad, I'm, I'm kind of curious though. So my only real exposure to the VCSA historically was in its kind of tinker toy lab kind of thing yeah it would work and i think some of the hands-on labs were using it in the past but when did this change like when did the vcsa become production ready is that with the 6.5 release or was it older and does my tongue-in-cheek comment does vmware just hate windows now is that what it is <laughs> so the, the first part of your question is i think it became production ready probably around the 6.0 days when the scale parity became equal to its windows counterpart and at that point, features and scale didn't matter, right? You can pick either Windows or VCSA within your infrastructure. Now in 6.5, as I kind of alluded to previously, we now represent the scale, same Windows, VCSA, but we now have features that are only available on the VCSA. Let's dive into those because there's got to be some advantages. I'm probably using Windows today because it's long tail. It's been production ready for a long time. So there's got to be some advantages with the appliance where I'd want to leave the traditional deployments. Can you outline some of those and kind of sell me on the idea of migrating to the VCSA? <laughs> sure. From a operational perspective, you guys probably deployed the VCSA like you know in your lab. You've noticed quick provisioning, right? With mm -hmm. the VCSA, I just deploy an OVA, you know, go through the wizard, boom, I'm up and running. With Windows, yeah, I could deploy from template if I do have a Windows template. But if I don't, I do have to load the operating system. I do have to create a database specially for it. I do have to load the application. So it is time-consuming, whereas the appliance has the entire stack ready to go. And that's uh, what the OVA is, is a packaged appliance that you literally just answer a couple wizard questions and it's in your environment running, ready to go, right? Exactly. The next big thing for most is no operating system or database licensing is required for the VCSA. Whereas with Windows, of course, you have the operating system and you have a database licensing, whether you're using Oracle or SQL. The next thing is the database. 
we get a lot of questions about, because the VCSA is using Postgres, and most folks aren't familiar with Postgres. They're more familiar with SQL or Oracle. With the VCSA, Postgres is tuned and ready to go for the vCenter server application. So I don't really need a DBA to go in and do all that fine tuning like I do for its Windows counterpart, right? Oh, so it's not limited to like five hosts or something. What it, it was before, like three or five hosts and maybe 100 VMs. And that, that's all gone, you're saying? Right. That's all gone. We support over, you know, 10,000 and above. So it's a big, uh, well, 10,000 is probably a high number. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. So <laughs> you may want to scratch that from the record. But we do support a high number of, of VMs and hosts equal to its Windows counterpart. Okay, so whatever scale limitations you may have been looking at with the Windows deployment, it's the exact same number, whatever that may be, based on the version with the appliance. And if I remember correctly, there's actually a new kind of application-level high ability that, does that replace the, uh, what was it called, vCenter Heartbeat back in the day to, to have like a highly available deployment of the management component? In this release, we introduce vCenter HA, native high availability, for the appliance only. So now you can make sure that you do represent high availability for the vCenter server application itself. One other thing I wanted to touch on real quick from an operational standpoint, what we're looking at is unified patching. When you look at Windows, I have to patch the operating system, then I have to patch the database, then I have to patch the application vCenter. Whereas with the appliance, I just go into the VAMI, I hit update, and it goes out and patches the entire stack. And what's new and cool in 6.5 is we're actually running on Photon OS, an operating system that's made for virtualization. So the other benefit there is we don't have to worry about going out to another third party and waiting for patches. We take care of the entire stack, not only from patching, but also from a support perspective, which again is different from its Windows counterpart. Got it. And for those playing the at-home acronym game, that's the VAMI's the Virtual Appliance Management Interface, correct? Correct. Awesome. So, Ahmad, I just looked out my window and a pegacorn flew by with this massive rainbow behind it. And this all sounds awesome. Um, but surely there are some disadvantages to the VCSA, some warts, some reasons maybe I wouldn't want to do it or it's not a good fit for me. You know, to be honest, with the 6.5 release, it's kind of really hard to say a disadvantage. I guess for some, and, and this may be a disadvantage, but I, I don't really think it is. If you look at Windows, I can install certain plugins or, or things like that directly on my Windows vCenter server if I wanted to. Whereas with the appliance, you really can't install those things. You would require a separate Windows box. But to me, I, I don't really think that's such a big deal because, again, I have this simple, easy, tuned deployment that becomes this amazing management layer for me. And I'm up and running a lot quicker than I would be with my current Windows vCenter. For some, that may be a disadvantage, but I wouldn't categorize as, as that. Any cost or licensing or anything that's involved there? For the appliance? Yeah. It's just another deployment option. Right. So only thing you're getting is no operating system, no li database licensing cost, but you still have to use a vCenter license. That hasn't changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. We also, like I said, we now introduce new features specifically for the appliance in 6.5. Just real quick rundown. We now have native vCenter high availability for protecting the vCenter server application. VUM, if you guys remember vSphere Update Manager, always required a separate Windows box. It's now part of the appliance. So you now can just deploy this one appliance that used to take two Windows boxes and yeah, you've saved yourself some 
costs in regards to operating system and the database. VAMI, the management interface for the appliance, provides us more visibility now. We show things like network utilization, CPU, memory, even more what's going on in the Postgres database. And then another new feature is the native built-in file-based backup restore. So all that is just for the appliance. One thing really kind of was hammered home to me here, just kind of brought back some old memories. And, and it's really not about you know, VCA specifically. It's a more general point I want to make. And that is your current assumptions based on old information are not necessarily correct because technology moves on, technology moves quickly. And just because something was a bad idea five years ago and, you know, you had a bad experience, it doesn't mean that things are frozen in time. It's always worth reevaluating your architecture and your design templates and make sure that they reflect the state of the art. What, what grabbed your attention, Chris? Well, first I'll just say I totally agree. That's why I, I hate the best practice mentality, you know, because that changes on a day-to-day basis practically. The takeaway that I had was that there's definitely some value add in the idea of a single object to patch versus multiple tiers to patch. You know, one object meaning the VCSA as, a, as an entity versus operating system application, et cetera. You know, because ongoing security and vulnerability and feature patches are, are important, right? And the easier that process is, the less friction there is, the more likely it'll be adopted. As we pause the Datanauts infrastructure rocket for just a moment, let's talk about the conference the Packet Pushers are going to be at in May 2017, Interop ITX, and they are a sponsor of today's show. Interop ITX is where tech pros go to get objective, full-stack IT education, and it takes place May 15th through 19th at the MGM in Las Vegas. You can join me, Ethan Banks, along with Greg Farrow and Drew Conry-Murray of the Packet Pushers, where we will be putting on the Future of Networking Summit. And that is a two-day session where we're going to take a deep dive into next-generation developments in the WAN, data center networking, network operations, software-defined security, all the things that we think are emerging over the next one, five, and ten years. Register for Interop ITX and attend other hands-on workshops like the Future of Data, Container Crash Course, Dark Readings Cybersecurity Summit, and the Open Source IT Summit. The events conference tracks focus on security, DevOps, cloud, infrastructure, data and analytics, all the technologies you need for a successful full-stack IT strategy. If you're looking to accelerate your career, there's also plenty of sessions on leadership and professional development. Plus, check out over 100 vendors at Interop ITX's business hall, where you'll have the opportunity to check out what leading and emerging tech vendors have to offer. Join us at Interop ITX this coming May and use promo code PACKETPUSHERS when you register, and you'll receive a 20% discount. We want to see you in Vegas, so go on up to interopitx.com and reserve your spot today. Well, Mod, we've got a pretty good idea of what the VCSA is and what it's all about, some pros and cons, but let's say I've already got my vCenter infrastructure up and running. Is there a good reason I'd want to migrate to VCSA? Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, no, I, I get that. If you're used to you know, it running on Windows, why should I migrate? Again, the benefits, all the new features, and, and the writing is on the wall. I mean, if you can see from here on out, all the new features are there for the vCenter server appliance. They're not coming to Windows. So we also provide a way to migrate, a simple tool that will allow you to get from your Windows vCenter server to the appliance. So there's really no excuse from here on out. Well, it, it's a carrot and stick then. In other words, the carrot is it's better and there's tools that are going to make it great. And, and the stick is, and if you don't, Things aren't going to work so well on Windows in the long run. 
Well, I wouldn't say they wouldn't work so well. They'll, they'll continue to work, right? We're not breaking anything. It's just a matter of the features that you would like or want. For example, like native high availability for the application, they're only for the appliance. So that's the only way you're going to get them. That's fair. As long as the Windows deployment is still available and still does what it always did, then that's cool. It kind of reminds me of the vSphere client itself, like the C-sharp or thick client. kind of putters along, nothing really new going into it, but it's still operational. Uh, whereas all the investments in the rest of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, never yeah. kill it. C-sharp forever. But it sounds like <laughs> the VCSA is really, you're really pitching it from a technical perspective as to why you'd want to switch over to it. Does the business get involved, actually care at any level? Should they? Is it all abstracted to them anyways? Or are there any non-technical reasons you might want to move over? No, I mean, from a regular user standpoint, as far as they're concerned, there's this management tool that I or application that I use, and it still allows me to deploy VMs to whatever designated cluster I'm allowed to. So from their perspective, it's hidden. It's really the administrator who does the day-to-day stuff is going to kind of notice Oh, okay. Uh, you know, instead of uh, installing this on a Windows operating system, I've I'm now on this Photon-based operating system. Oh, instead mm-hmm. of having you know this subset of features, I now have more subset of features. Oh, I can now get more visibility into what's going on into vCenter versus before, where it's kind of like I don't have that type of visibility. So there's a lot of things that the administrator will notice versus the regular Joe Schmo. Okay, so let's say I've committed, I, uh, I'm ready to migrate, I want to do it. What am I in for? What are the high-level steps? All right, so in 6.5, we introduced a migration tool, right? It's native on the vCenter server appliance UI. And it, it just kind of all depends. Uh, just a quick kind of walkthrough of some workflows is if, if you have uh, VUM or v, you know, vSphere Update Manager residing on the same box as your vCenter server, then you're going to run what's called a migration assistant right on that embedded type deployment where you have both components living on the same VM. And the purpose of the migration assistant is to go out and first it just runs pre-checks on the environment to make sure that everything is kosher before saying, okay, you can actually run this migration. The other thing it does is it goes out and it's going to copy. It's that data transport mechanism. It's going to copy the data from the source Windows vCenter to the appliance. The next step is once you run the migration assistant, everything is kosher. You're going to go out and run this migration tool on a Windows box that's on the same routable network. It's on a routable network to your vCenter server. And the reason we're doing this is because, again, we're copying the data from your source Windows vCenter to this appliance, and we're going to shut down your source Windows vCenter because Part of the data copy is we're copying that identity, right? I like to call it like identity theft because I'm taking that vCenter's name. I'm taking its IP, FQDN, its you know certificates, UID, which that's how other applications talk to it. So in essence, this Windows vCenter will get shut down. The appliance comes up and all other applications are like, oh, it's kind of like you just took a little nap and now you're back up and uh, you know awake. But that like moving certificates and stuff, that sounds... Potentially risky, but again, the migration tools are really de-risking that for me. Yeah, it's actually doing all the heavy lifting for you, so you don't have to worry about that. And that's, again, this workflow is for a simple embedded deployment. Uh, there's a little bit more to it if you're externalized, where you don't, where you have components. Let's say your, your SSO box, in the case of 5.5 or 6.0, is uh, PSC, is separate 
on a different VM, then you'll have to run all the migration workflow on that piece first and then do your your vCenter servers. And keep in mind, we can migrate anything running version 5.5 or 6.0 and go to 6.5. Oh, so I can level up uh, as well if I'm deciding to make this migration. That's handy, actually. I don't have to upgrade to 6.5 first and then migrate. I can migrate my older vCenter server over. Well, you have the option if you're on 5.5, you can go directly to 6.5 or if you're on 6.0, you can go to 6.5. But if you've already upgraded to 6.5, unfortunately, and even those that are on like 6.0 Windows and they want to come across to the appliance, we don't offer a horizontal way to get from Windows to the appliance on those versions. Oh, so if I'm on 6.0 Windows, I can't go to 6.5 Appliance, you're saying? I don't have a migration path there? No, you can. It's just if you're on 6.5 Windows and you want to go to 6.5 Appliance, there's no horizontal path. You can only go from a 5.5 Windows to 6.5 Appliance or 6.0 Windows to a 6.5 Appliance. But if you're on the 6.5 Windows, no path to a 6.5 Appliance. The migration assumes that you're up-leveling to 6.5. You're not on 6.5 already as part of the migration. Exactly. Well, that's interesting. I didn't actually, I didn't actually know about that, so I've, I've already learned something. Um, so it sounds like one of the roadblocks for migration would be, hey, I'm already on 6.5. I can't do a horizontal migration. Hopefully that's something that, that uh, gets resolved in the future. What, what are some other roadblocks that one might hit or things that you've seen in the field where it's like, oh, watch out for this. You know, It's maybe not BCSA specific, but it's an issue holistic to the environment that causes a problem. DNS, NTP. So for DNS, make sure that you have forward and reverse lookup in place and working correctly. Uh, yeah, the working correctly piece is, uh, is really the key. Yeah. NTP, make sure NTP is set and working correctly as well. Making sure you know your topology. There's a lot of folks out there who either inherited their environment or just deployed it really quick but never took the time to go back to learn about what their vSphere topology looks like. So make sure that you you actually understand what your topology looks like. Because if you think about it, we're not only doing a migration, I mean, we're, we're copying this data from Windows vCenter and going to the appliance, but we're also, in essence, we're doing an upgrade, right? Because we're going from f- version 5.5 or 6.0 to 6.5. So the standard upgrade procedure still applies, right? Make sure that not only your VMware solutions are compatible, right? But make sure like any third-party solution that you're using as well is also compatible. You mentioned the NTP. I just wanted to follow up on that. You know, if I have, I forgot that detail. NTP is wrong. I have got clocks that are out of sync. What's going to sting? You may get some delays. Uh, I think uh, in the past I've experienced, I actually had uh, a host I was deploying to the the NTP on it was, uh, wasn't configured correctly. I forgot to do it. And uh, it would get, get through the migra- part of the migration, and then all of a sudden it would just kind of crap out and give me this error message. And after I was digging through the log, I realized, oh, I need to check NTP. And uh, once I fixed NTP, everything started working again. So, Okay, um, backup and recovery. vCenter is kind of a challenging thing to backup and, and recover, at least historically. you got files on the server. There's a, the database itself to deal with and so on. It, it, does this get easier or better with the appliance? Oh, yeah, it gets so much easier. First thing is with 6.0 and moving forward, we support image level only backups, right? So anything that leverages the the APIs, the VADP is one of them. Uh, Veeam is another thing, um, you know, Commvault, 
whatever leverages the you know the, the backup APIs will will support from an image level perspective. But also new in 6.5 is we have native file-based backup where you can go in and from the VAMI and just hit backup. And we support protocols like HTTP, HTTPS, FTP, FTPS, and SCP. And now we can back up all the files that encompass vCenter to that protocol in that path. And if anything ever happens and I need to restore, I just mount the ISO that I used to deploy vCenter. There's an actual restore button on the UI. Just hit that button and you'll go through a wizard. You'll point back to those files and we'll deploy a brand new appliance to that backup point. But we also preserve the identity of the appliance. Again, name, IP, UUID, everything. So again, as far as any other solution is concerned, it's the same old vCenter. The other cool thing with our native file-based backup restore is we do checks to make sure that the integrity of that backup is is good. So you're not just, hey, I hope this backup's cool, and then you don't know until you do a restore. You're checking it in some way as you take the backup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds kind of important, <laughs> just because <laughs> you don't want to find that out during the restore. Like, oh, that didn't work. Uh, now what? That's fair. I was thinking as you were talking about some of the complexity in a in a virtualized environment. You know, you talk about the the legacy single sign on or SSO services, the more modern platform services controller, the PSC. You know, does the appliance when you migrate is it going to split these out? Do you get a choice, or is it just all bundled into the one appliance itself? Yeah, so that all that really all depends. But from a migration tool perspective, you don't want to complicate things. So we don't allow you to change topologies during a migration. So it's one of those, it's in either before or after. So for example, if I'm de- embedded and I have, you know, let's use the 6.0 version as an example. If I have my PSC and my vCenter running on the same virtual machine and I want to split them out because I want to get enhanced link mode, then in that case, I have the option of externalizing prior and then doing the migration on each component. Or if I want to keep it really simple, I can just go ahead and migrate first and then externalize later on. So depending on the type of topology you're in, you may have to externalize first and then migrate or vice versa. Got it. But the simpler workflow would be go ahead and get to the nice, sexy VCSA model and then split it out if you need to. Yeah, exactly. VCSA, all the deployments. (laughs) (laughs) And then just one last question about, uh, are there any load balancers you have to deal with? You know, because I realize... In the past, you would put those in front of uh, multiple PSCs. That was kind of the requirement if you wanted to cluster them. Is that outside the scope of the migration? Is that handled in some way? Or I mean, it's, it's load balancers in general seem like they're kind of annoying. So I don't know if you've hit those very often from a migration perspective. It's really meant for availability for the PSCs. The migration tool doesn't really... Again, it's the same procedure as you would handle an upgrade, right? You'll, you'll, if you're an external deployment, you'll upgrade your PSCs first or your SSO boxes, and then you'll upgrade vCenter. I mean, the real benefit of the load balancer from a PSC perspective is it provides a way to automatically fail over in case one PSC goes down. It will automatically repoint that vCenter to the other PSC in the environment. Not only vCenter, but let's say you have another application like SRM that leverages SSO. It's automatically going to repoint it as well. 
The downside to that is I've now just added some more complexity to my architecture, right? If something goes wrong, I, j- I have another layer that I have to troubleshoot at. The other way to approach this is I could do the manual repoint, which again, I now have to do everything by hand in case something happens. Not only vCenter repointing, but in the example of using SRM, I would also have to repoint that application. So there's pros and cons to which ones to leverage. And in my opinion, if if you have multiple solutions that use vCenter and leverage SSO, then probably going with a load balancer solution would be the best. That way you don't have to intervene. It's going to do all the work for you. But if you have a, a small environment, there's no point to really leveraging a, a load balancer. And, and hopefully in the future, just like we did with vCenter with native HA, hopefully we'll have something highly available for the PSCs and you won't even have to worry about that nasty load balancer. No matter what, knowing your architecture is key. And I like the comment, you know, not everybody knows what it looks like and kind of makes some assumptions and then they get caught as a caveat when they try to upgrade or migrate to a new version. So take the time, audit the environment, understand what's in play because yeah, you're doing a migration and an upgrade. So you don't want to just fire that off and hope for the best. Ethan, what about you? <laughs> well, as he was talking about upgrading and uh, you know, it's so easy to fall into that if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality that, uh, that we mentioned. But in reality is that upgrading is really mandatory with products a lot of times. The vendors make it that way. Even if you don't think it's a mandatory thing, it really kind of is. That was the carrot and stick we were talking about. If you don't keep up, I mean, you're going to get away with it for a while, but eventually that old version of whatever it is you're running on, it's going to bite you in the rear end. So, yeah, I mean, there's risk. There's always risk. And that's why we don't like to upgrade. But you can mitigate that risk, right? So you lab it up. You learn the process to do the upgrade smoothly. You get kind of comfortable with things and you mitigate whatever the risks are you come up with and then go. And you really need to do that. You need to keep up. Uh, VCSA is just a great example of that. All right, Ahmad, I think we're much more educated on the VCSA than prior. At least I am. I'm learning quite a bit about it. And the migration process. There's definitely some things to consider from your environment and from the actual construction and architecture of the vCenter deployment itself. Uh, So let's get super serious here and talk about the migrate to VCSA stickers and shirts you've been distributing. I mean, okay, so first off, whose idea was it? Super cool. Because I'd imagine there's a lot of folks out there that want to get their hands on one or maybe are looking to do something similar. So tell us the story behind it and uh, where are they at? What's the, what's the deal with the migrate stickers that you have and shirts and whatnot? <laughs> sure. So uh, when I joined VMware about a year ago, uh, one of my, again, my jobs is to to help customers get to the, the vCenter server appliance. And I thought, you know, why why can't we create some buzz around this thing? So I'm, I'm going to create a, a shirt and some stickers. And I started kind of thinking about, you know, how how would I want this shirt or sticker to look like? And I just kind of came up with some ideas. I went to an artist. And after we agreed on a few things back and forth, the first one that was introduced at VMworld US was a, um, I'm going to call it a gremlin. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, you can call it whatever you want, whatever you, you thought it was. <laughs> I mean, gonna... it kind of looked like Yoda to me, but we'll say gremlin <laughs> for certain reasons. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so that was the first one that, uh, that I introduced at VMworld US, which, uh, a lot of people loved, uh, had the migrate to VCSA, you should, uh, right on the shirt. And then I wanted to kind of change it up a little bit in Barcelona. So I created the, the penguin 
and gave it a little bit of uh, flair, right? Uh, the uh. photon, <laughs> the photon uh, beanie, and then it had a uh, I'm going to call it a Rubik's cube type microphone. Uh, <laughs> again, whatever you thought you saw. I mean, it kind of looked um, like a Windows logo to me being dropped. <laughs> I was a little offended, we shall say. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. but, like, uh, but yeah, yeah. we just wanted to have some fun with it. And so I, I you know, and, and I got a lot of positive feedback around it. So uh, I'm glad that, uh, that it worked out. For those that are looking for some of these stickers, uh, as far as the Gremlin, he's, uh, he's retired uh, he's on some uh, sunny beach right now, uh, and uh, he's he's done. Uh, oh, wow. The margaritas yeah. you like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the penguin uh, is uh, full blast. You can actually uh, I have a blog post on uh, on my blog modunis.com. You can go out and you can actually either download and create your own, or I have a link directly to Sticker Mule where you can just enter the quantity and you'll be able to get your own. Cool. I I really was into nerdy t-shirts for a long time, you know, with vendor stuff. I've kind of gotten away from the, you know, the vendor wear, but uh, it still sounds like a cool one. So I may have to uh, revise my policy in this case. We shall see. Uh, Ahmad, I want to just step away from VCSA for a moment and ask you a more general question uh, about VMware, and and that is automation specifically. So there is a lot of automation work that VMware has been doing. For example, there's now a RESTful API with a Swagger Explorer in the latest release. Are customers picking that up? Are they really doing things in the automation space? Uh, are they getting better with APIs? Uh, you know, we've seen some silo busting maybe as a result. What, what was the feedback you're getting from the, the customer community? Yeah, sure. So first thing, just so uh, Alan Renouf and Kyle Reddy don't kill us all, we're not going to use a Swagger Explorer. We're going to use the API interface. Um, <laughs> So uh, that way, the, these guys are happy because that's essentially what it is, right? It shouldn't matter if it's Swagger on the back end. As far as more consumption, uh, API Explorer. As far as uh, more consumption, yes, because we've made with these new RESTful APIs in six five, we've actually made it a lot easier, uh, especially from let's. Uh, I'm going to channel back into my VCSA world, right? From within the the VCSA, you can actually get into the API Explorer and see what APIs are available and their definitions. So how to use them. Uh, You can actually go in and even try them without trying them per se, right? I don't need to really know how to code. So we are making things a lot simple for most to consume. And those that uh, do things like query the VCSA database, which you shouldn't do, but if you are doing it because you want to do like some special reporting, now you can leverage these APIs and even get more in depth in what information you're trying to pull out of the VCSA. Oh, so you're given like a legit avenue to get to data that before you had to kind of cheat a little bit. Like, I know anytime you talk about talking to the database directly, I think it makes William Lamb, uh, who's a who's a very famous individual at VMware, cry or something along those lines. Um, I think you kill a kitten. I think you wrote a blog post about every time <laughs> yeah. this happens, you kill you know a kitten. So, so yeah, for sure. Ahmad, have the customers taken advantage of these features though? I mean, do you get, hear buzz that the you know customers are getting excited about uh, being able to leverage an API? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, as as we talk to more and more customers, they're they're getting excited. And they're actually saying, okay, well, we see you have you know this big slew of lists, but how about adding this and how about adding that? So they're definitely paying attention and and wanting more as we go along. So stay tuned. There'll definitely be a lot more coming. So, Mod, you've chosen, or maybe had it chosen for you, uh, the core management component of vSphere. You know, it's the the vCenter. 
what caused you to gravitate towards the vCenter component? And then also, what are the products or verticals within the VMware environment are you excited about focusing upon, or, or maybe just the virtual ecosystem at whole? When I got this opportunity and they said, hey, we have this opening and you're going to be looking around, you know, vCenter server and the appliance and, and migration and getting there. I mean, to me, again, I've, I've been using VMware products since the 2.5 days. And what better way to come in and, and hit the ground running than its management platform and, and create some buzz and, and not only just educate myself, because believe it or not, once you, you join VMware, there's some things that you learn, like you think you know what you know until you join that company. And then it's like, oh, there's this, 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 this. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that, that, that. So now <laughs> the goal is to not only educate yourself and, and grow as a technologist, but also pass that information along. So that way you can help everybody in the field, the industry, whatnot, and help them understand what's going on. So for me, it was I, I, I was really excited about this opportunity, uh, to again, to, to help create buzz and help others who really weren't sure of what's going on. Because let's face it, no one sits there and reads documentation all day, right? So if I can give you the information that you need to get up and running, then I've done my job. So Ahmad, for, um, since we're talking about learning and education, are there some top priorities that you would recommend, things that uh, you would say to all the VMware pros are there? These are the things that, uh, that you should go learn. It doesn't have to be, I mean, it could be VMware stuff if you want, but uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on in the data center. What would you recommend people dig into? Well, I mean, from a VMware perspective, of course, the, the vSphere blog, we in technical marketing, we also produce these product feature walkthroughs. Uh, that will allow you to go through. It's a click-by-click, step-by-step walkthrough for that specific feature and just really giving you the meat of what you need to know so you don't really need to read any documentation, things like that. Uh, another favorite, um, again, I'm partial here, is the V Brown Bag. It's a community podcast that uh, people like myself, of course, Chris Wall, and others have uh, jumped on and just kind of shared the, the wealth of knowledge there. Podcasts like yourself. This is also another good way to uh, to learn. We also provide things on YouTube. So we have like a vSphere 6.5 playlist. We have a hands-on lab for folks who don't have lab gear at home that they can go out and actually try out the products. Is that a, there a cost associated with that uh, that remote lab or? No, hands-on labs is totally free. So in, in my mind, really, you don't have an excuse these days to actually jump in and, and learn any of the solutions or products. The problem is trying to pick something because there's so many things to, that, uh, that are worth learning about. I recorded a podcast earlier in the day with uh, someone who's an expert in machine learning. And he said, oh, yeah, just go up to YouTube and Google machine learning. You'll find some, uh, you know, some good stuff. So, so I did that. Hundreds of videos about machine learning in, in an organized fashion from, uh, from educators, underscoring the point that, yeah, as you say, there's no excuse and there's so much information that's out there, very often free, just people sharing what they know and can give you real deep knowledge on things if you're able to put the time in. There's just not enough time to learn everything (laughs) that's worth learning. It's crazy. Sleep is overrated. You don't need to sleep, right? Just stay up. (laughs) Seriously need those Matrix-style head jacks. You're like, I know everything. All right, Ahmad, those are good places to go on the web. We will put those in the show notes. For those interested in following you, sounds like you'll be at VMworld as usual, but blog, Twitter, that kind of thing, where can, where can people pester you on the interwebs? <laughs> sure. So uh, on Twitter, it's just uh, my name. So at Ahmad underscore Yunus. 
And then uh, on my blog, amajunis.com. Yeah, I'm no, I'm very creative. It's just using my name everywhere. You're lucky that you can do that. Not everyone. <laughs> like if you're Bob Smith, you're not getting bobsmith.com. It's just exactly. Bob <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's it for today's edition of the Data Knots podcast. If you're a social creature, you can follow me at Chris Wall on the Twitters or my blog, wallnetwork.com. And my delightful friend Ethan is at ECBanks on the Twitters, and his blog is EthanCBanks.com. For more of our Data Not shows about infrastructure engineering, do a nosedive down the rabbit hole that is PacketPushers.net. You'll find us talking about containers and conferences, certifications, PowerShell, cloud engineering at the full stack level. You name it, we got it. Until then, may your server lights blink, your services remain highly available, and your cables be cleanly managed. like wants a taste in your mouth you can make all the jokes about that you want and uh, take your shirt off you need to need to take your shirt yeah off. strip down yeah activate your webcam <laughs> <laughs> and oh man further so instructions <laughs> <away>. <laughs> <laughs>